I wish before entering a theater, someone told me, this is what you should expect. Keep an eye out for this. Just like if you're tasting a wine and someone tells you like, oh, by the way, make sure you notice the hint of blueberry or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to make it way better. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 321 with a review of The Guest. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Batcher. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week, we're talking about a film that it took me a long time for this to come <laughs> to my area. Uh, you guys have all had the options to see it a while ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's been in San Francisco at least two weeks now. Yeah, wasn't it like, is, is the official release date like September 5th or something weird like that? I think yeah, it was think the so. 17th, yeah. Okay, well, it's finally here. I know you guys have wanted to see this for a while, and I've been the lone holdout waiting for the one theater in my area to finally start playing it. But, uh, yeah, I've been hearing some good things online about this film, so I know that you guys are both excited to see it uh how are we continuing to do this afternoon <laughs> i'm still i'm still well uh apologies to vincent d'onofrio on the last episode i'll just say that <laughs> i don't want him to come I'm... and be you know go private pile on my ass <laughs> or have him send bagul after me just saying are you apologizing for the ill ill things you said about him in that <laughs> in, the, in the final moments of that episode <laughs> yes all right, well, I don't know at this point being, uh, well, I mean, I guess we, we recorded all those conversations, but I have no clue if I'm going to be able to stitch together any of this stuff, so uh, we're just going to acknowledge the fact that we had some Skype issues. Well, I guess yep. you could just cut it all out and then cut the end out of the previous review. <laughs> <laughs> then it would yeah, be... lift, lift the end of that and make this be like a Maze Runner intro. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. Basically, I'll just say this. Uh, Carson was apologizing for bad things he said about Vincent D'Onofrio, and uh, uh, Stephen was eating food while recording. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because we know he listens, and we don't want him to send Bagul after us. Yeah. Well, here's yeah. the thing. is Let's just pretend that he was listening. Yes. Um, if that was the first episode he listened to, or <laughs> if it was, like, one of several that he listened to, do you really think he'd come back after some asshole on this podcast made fun no, of No, I don't think so. I mean, he wasn't given anything to do in The Judge, though. Yeah, but, I mean, just, just, to, be, just, just to be fair, uh, for anybody who hadn't listened to our review of The Judge, Carson did imply that the reason that film cost $20 million more than The Maze Runner is because that $20 million went to <laughs> <laughs> food for him. Yeah, so it was a bad joke. But I also said it was probably because Robert Downey Jr. got paid well. Probably. Probably. We can only assume. Somebody got to get paid. <laughs> Dude, I'm excited for Vincent D'Onofrio. He's going to be the villain in Jurassic World, so should be good. Is he the dinosaur? <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> so anyway, Dracula Untold is a movie about um, the untold origins of Dracula. I don't know if you, you know, could decipher that from the title. Is that your attempt at a transition into <laughs> a banter? <laughs> Yes, that is what we call a transition in this business. <laughs> it's, it's actually it's kind of a derail, but go ahead. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I wish there was a grade lower than an F. Uh, I don't think there is, but um, that movie was stillborn from the second the Universal logo came up. <laughs> anyway, don't see Dracula Untold. Just please don't. And in terms of budget, they apparently wasted two hundred million on that. And uh, I don't know where it went. I guess all those CGI bats were very expensive. <laughs> well, no, that's the thing is it was actually practical bats. They spent $190 million on training, training bats. Or <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say they spent $190 million to CGI over them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they, they first got the bats, and it turned out it's really hard to train bats. Yeah. And they don't like flying during the day. So it turned out that everything was scrapped and they had to go back and spend the remaining $10 million on making the rest of the film with CGI. $30 million to train the bats, $170 million for damages and lawsuits because the bats attacked all the actors. <laughs> <laughs> they really, they should have just scooped up all the guano and sold that. Cause... Yeah, 
<laughs> they might as well <laughs> just filmed it, film that. It would have been the same movie. I, I'm a little curious about where the movie went because for reasons that have nothing to do with Dracula Untold coming out, I randomly spent quite a while on Wikipedia reading about <laughs> Vlad the Impaler and all of these other people that are where the Dracula legend kind of comes from. And it was boring. It, it had nothing to do with vampires. <laughs> no, well, yeah. the first rule of Dracula Untold is don't talk about Dracula yeah. Untold. <laughs> don't tell it. I'm pretty sure. Well, I guess they, they uh, read the same Wikipedia articles and took that to heart. They were like, well, I guess our movie has to be boring as shit, too. <laughs> Well, well, when your originating vampire person dies on the shitter, I guess. <laughs> There's no other way to make your movie than boring as shit. That, that's very true. Uh, the only thing I'll say about Dracula Untold is that uh, Dominic Cooper plays uh, Zeus Katir's like, half-brother or something, and he's essentially the villain. He's wearing like a ton of eyeliner. He's basically <laughs> the Orlando Bloom in Three Musketeers of this movie. Um, I'll the second if Wikipedia serves. Wait, second what? I, I believe his name is Radu the second. You can just oh, cut that okay. out. Oh, okay. no, I, all I heard I was the second. I think he did have a half-brother that went to war with him or something. No, all I heard was the second, and I was like, is he trying to be like, oh, well, there were two musketeers before. I, I no. don't know. I just didn't put that together. It, it, it sounds like if I just lifted this and I just flash-forwarded to a review of the Exodus movie, you could be saying the exact same things about it. <laughs> yeah, he plays his half-brother. He's just wearing a lot of eyeliner. <laughs> Although, I, I will defend the Exodus. the movie. Although CGI locusts. Yes. Although, uh, I will defend the Exodus trailer by saying it looks uh, hilariously campy. I mean, when you got Joel think, Edgerton screaming like... I, dude, I think it do, does too, but dude, when you have like Joel Edgerton going like, I am a god! I am a god! Like, screaming... <laughs> It just is funny to me, and Christian Bale going like, I've got someone on my side, and then like, beat, step up, God. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like, oh, reverse damn. That's, that's what makes it badass, is no, first I, I, I'm, the I'm saying, it's so, it's like hilariously badass. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I wish Dracula Untold had more, like, Christian Bale brooding <laughs> as Moses. I'm totally down for that. He's not doing another Bat movie. <laughs> I'm yeah. done with that. I just no, really want done. there to be a scene where Christian Bale's like, you think you're alive because you can fight? <laughs> <laughs> I want Liam Neeson to train him because that was the only thing that made sense. So he's like, he's like, you gotta let my people go, and Liam Neeson's all, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, how bad, like, they're... It just looks so ridiculous that the, the the wave is like coming at them while they're like having a huge battle with chariots. <laughs> oh, it's, and then they're all screaming at each it, other. It feels like that came from a story I read before. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it went down that way though. I feel like Ridley Scott's taking some liberties. I feel like there was a lot more running away and not as much epic battle. <laughs> yeah, not as much people shouting at each other trying uh, to be badass. Good times. <laughs> Well, we have a lot to choose from with the banter, you know. So something may get cut out, I don't know. Speaking of good times. (laughs) Is this where Carson tells us what he thought of Left Behind while we're on the Christian movie train? Oh my god, don't even get me started on that. I think I'd rather watch Dracula Untold again. (laughs) Really? Uh, Yeah, they were both equally as boring. Dracula Untold was at least shorter. Left Behind was like two hours. Ugh. God take me now. That's what I was saying in Left Behind. Uh, that scene where like a booming voice of God came down Nicolas Cage and was like, I've been waiting an eternity for some man of your stature to come find me. <laughs> there, there, wasn't, there weren't enough bees in uh, Left Behind for Nick Cage to scream about. That's what it was missing. I think it burned. <laughs> All right. Kelly, we will bring back your goddamn honey. I hope in the Left Behind series, um, Nick Cage is also the Antichrist, and he's a skull riding on a horse whose head is on fire. <laughs> oh, we can only hope. Uh, so should we get to the guest guys? Yeah. Yeah, unless you want to hear me talk about the scene where she, uh, there's so the girl that I'm just gonna tell it. So it's funny. <laughs> So Nick Cage's daughter in the movie is trying to break into a hospital, like when the rapture is going down, and there's a door and it's locked. So she decides to break the bottom half of the door, like the glass, 
But instead of just breaking all the glass, she breaks the bottom half and then crawls through over all the broken glass. I was just like, why wouldn't you just break the whole door? I don't know. That's the kind of things you think of when you watch Left Behind. <laughs> yeah. Well, when yeah. the rapture's happening, sometimes you don't have time to completely compute the best way to break through a door. All I'm going to say, dude, is when this is the end, <laughs> mines the rapture more deeply and provocatively than Left Behind. There's something wrong. I think she just took to heart the old mantra that when God closes a door, he always <laughs> opens a <the> window. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's better or worse that you couldn't get the sentence out with a straight face. <laughs> I, I approve, though, either way. Yeah, This Is the uh, End was the better Rapture movie. Yeah. Speaking of things I approve of. Okay, yeah, sorry. We'll get to it. We're talking about the guest. And <laughs> this is going to be the longest intro ever. <laughs> before Carson goes off on another tangent about I think some we movie set a record. he saw in the last couple of weeks, I'm going to go ahead and start playing the trailer for the guest. <laughs> and we're going to come back and give you a review. Mrs. Peterson? Can I um, help you? My name is David. I knew your son. I was with him when he died. One of the things he asked was for me to check on y'all. You and your whole family here. I said I'd do that, and so here I am. Would you like to come inside? Thank you, ma'am. Okay, so you just listened to the trailer for The Guest, and uh, basically this family uh, has a guest staying with them (laughs) who happens to be a uh, friend of their uh, son who was killed in some sort of military operation, and he's staying with the family, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe things aren't exactly what they seem. Maybe having this guy staying in their house isn't the best idea. Um, I don't know, Carson, was it the best idea to let somebody stay in their house? Um, <laughs> it, this is ter- a lot like in Left Behind where in, ter- <laughs> <laughs> in terms of this movie yes uh, uh, you think ter- it's a good idea to let him stay in their house yes I in terms for the movie the night. in terms for this movie mean. yes um, this movie uh, for anyone who's listened to any episode of this show this movie is uh, way more up my alley than the judge and uh <laughs> I will safely say that the guest probably going to be showing up at the end of the year. We're going to be re-talking about awesome movies uh, that have come out in 2014 because I think the guest is uh, definitely the best horror movie that's come out this year, at least genre-wise. Even better than The Reaping or whatever that other Left Behind movie was. (laughs) The what? The Reaping? (laughs) Like the retaking? What the hell? It's like an R word. There's like... Uh, the I was like the reaping Hillary Swank, like that no, came out. No, like, there, there's like some oh, uh, the, um, the raping yeah, of the remaining, biblical source the remaining, material. The remaining, yeah, the remaining, yeah. <laughs> the girl from Spy Kids was in it. It was like another Rapture movie. <laughs> the reaping, the, the raping. Um, that's what I was. It's gonna happen. <laughs> well, apparently it didn't happen. I, I was expecting a lot more of that to happen in the guest. I don't know why. I just assumed that there was gonna be some. Uh, yeah. Well, he he has a little bit of a rapey vibe to him, I guess. <laughs> but the guest is yes, a phenomenal. Ma'am. The guest is a phenomenally uh, awesome genre movie, and uh, I don't know if Chris will agree because he got to see the movie last night. But I was a huge fan of Your Next, and I thought that was the best horror movie of last year. And Adam Wingard and uh, Simon Barrett are back again to give us the guest and it's pretty damn awesome probably the most fun i've had watching a movie this year in terms of just uh stylized uh horror awesomeness it's basically like if john carpenter directed the born legacy and if that sounds good to you then you're gonna love the guest um because there's a lot of uh carpenter flavor going on in here everything from the score which is amazing to uh the overall vibe um, and it's interesting because 
right after the movie, you know, I read that Adam Wingard said that the genesis for this film came out of him watching a double feature of Halloween and The Terminator one night. And uh, that's definitely what this movie has tapped into, for sure. Like, they've kind of crossed genres. They've crossed streams. And uh, it's just just, just really awesome. And I I feel like that I can't really praise it enough because it is just a really fun movie. And uh, it gets you into that Halloween spirit because it all takes place around Halloween, which is always cool. Um, And I think probably the best thing that the that the guest displays is uh the breakout role of dan stevens i was kind of singing his praises when we talked about a walk among the tombstones but um this is for sure uh a star making role uh if i ever saw one because it's um i like i said i never watched the show but he was on downton abbey and played sort of like this hugh grant uh stuttering romantic lead guy and uh this is like a complete 180 where he's like the total badass uh, guest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like uh, it, it's a it's an awesome role. It's almost like uh, he's like Tom Cruise level uh, charisma and uh, watchability in this. It, it almost feels like if they had made it in the 80s, Tom Cruise would have made it like post risky business or something. It has that sort of feeling. I don't think um, Tom Cruise would ever play a role this creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he was he was good as like uh, you know the hitman in Collateral. Like I feel like it's you know he hasn't played dark uh, he, very often, but when he does, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I could see him playing this role. I, I just think, I feel like the like Dan Stevens has like the movie star look and the charisma that Tom Cruise has that it reminded me of that. Like it. Because this this movie like hinges on you know who they cast as the guest, um, and I think it's just that role is perfectly cast. And um, like all like uh, your next, um, perfectly blends just straight up awesome genre action and hilarious dark humor. Um, and this movie has that in spades. Like it's just it's it's a really really fun time, and uh, yeah, and like there's a lot of it that's surprising too. And 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 for what they accomplished on uh, such a small budget was I thought impressive too. So I really love this movie, and I hope people get a chance to see it because it is a good time. S- Stephen, what did you think? Okay, so you know with like wine, right? wine can be really really good and really expensive and really fancy or it can be like box wine that you get from costco (laughs) and a lot of people can't tell the difference because they don't have a discerning enough palate they're not as uh high class as you yeah so (laughs) they don't they don't watch movies in the kabuki (laughs) I, i think genre movies are my version of wine where i'm the guy who can't taste the difference <laughs> between uh, <laughs> between a classic, amazing, pitch-perfect genre film and the B-movie that it's being a pitch-perfect remake of. Uh, so what I'm going to say, I like it. Like, I thought this film was fun. Like, it's, it's a totally fun movie. And I totally get the vibes that it's hitting. Like, it had that 80s soundtrack, the vintage high school feeling, the, like... The Halloween vibes. It, it, it felt like a total uh, grindhouse type movie, maybe, where, where you would watch it double feature with something else. You know, everything like is very colorful. The text has colors in it. The transitions are jumpy. I, I, I don't know. It, it definitely hit this pitch perfect thing that the director was going for. But I have, I have no way of gauging how good this movie was. <laughs> I think, because in my mind, what I saw was just one of those 80s movies, basically. It was, like, a pretty silly plot that was acted with, you know, pitch-perfect hamminess by the characters. Like, everybody did exactly what they were trying to do as well as they could, for sure. And there was, of course, like, nothing bad about it, 
at the same time, the premise is completely unbelievable. Like, you're supposed to suspend disbelief <laughs> when you watch this. And the character moments are not character moments so much as, like, caricature moments in a movie like this. Who is going to be the victim? Who's going to survive? What archetype is she playing? Yeah. I... I feel like I should almost abstain from rating movies like this because I have no metric <laughs> by which I can ground it. Um, like, I can see why this is a totally fun, campy good time. I also don't see what it is about a movie like this that gets, like, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, whatever that, like, the subtle ingredient is that makes this so much better of a genre movie than the others that feel like they're in the same league or same caliber... It's really impossible for me to dictate. <laughs> so I I almost want to abstain my vote because I can say this is fun. I know the audience was having a good time. I had a fun time watching it too. But I have a fun time watching lots of old B-movies and that doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to praise them as crowning achievements or anything. <laughs> um, I, I think I'm curious to hear Chris first. After I hear Chris, I might be able to give a little bit more feedback on the movie. All right. Well, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting the way you put that because I feel, I, I guess te technically I'm the opposite side of the coin as you. Like, I totally see, like you, you were saying you totally see how it's hitting all these things that would make it great, but you have a hard time of, of seeing how special it is. Mm -hmm. I see all those things that would make you have a hard time with knowing how special it is. But at the same time, like, I think this is a fantastic movie. <laughs> and to, to, to flip it to the other opposite end of the coin is, uh, you know, last night I just watched your next and like, I don't have a problem with your next. I just, I, 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 it, when I first saw the trailer for your next, I just passed on it because it just seemed like another one of those movies. And then I listened to people talk about how great it is and how, not that it like, upends your 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 normal thoughts about a film of this type but like people just talked about it in a, in a in a high enough manner that i expected a lot more from it and having just watched the guest where like it hit all those beats perfectly and, and made me like i was like okay if, the, if these guys made this film before the guest and the guest seems like this perfect little gem of a movie that feels both beat movie and just super awesomely made and super fun then your next should have that same feeling to it and to me your next fell super flat and in both films have these these glaring um they're not plot holes necessarily it's just stupid things about the plot like they're like, like the backstory of who the guest really is 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 dumb but it's like a side note to the actual like events that we're watching in the film in your next like there's all these crazy people who are assaulting the house and you're wondering like who are they and why are they assaulting the house well the film opens with one of the neighbors houses being uh, attacked and two people who live in that house getting killed well when, by the time you find out why the main house in the in your next has gotten attacked it doesn't explain why the other house had to be even be attacked because there's a very specific reason why the house in your next is being attacked. So it's like, there, there's things like that where like at the end of the movie, I'm just like, well, that doesn't make any sense. What's going on? Or like, this is not as clever as it thinks it is or the way people have talked about it. In this film though, like it just, every, it, I don't know. There's, there's some, it has this essence to it that just like the entire film, you have this like weird smile on your face and you're laughing. Like when I saw it in the theater, there was only six people in my theater see the guest um, that I saw yesterday, the day before, whatever it was. But all of us were like laughing just heavily at like moments. We were just like, oh, 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 like saying all these things and just somebody would deliver a line and we'd all kind of chuckle. Like, like everyone in my theater, as small that group of people was, we all reacted in the exact same manner there was young people there was some older people there was men there was women like there was no like defining group of the people who came to see this film yet we all reacted in the exact same way in perfect unison the entire time the film was going and it's like they're like i can't necessarily explain it in the way mm -hmm. that you like are saying that you can't define it yourself and so it's a negative for you i just for some reason it hit everything it needed to it I don't know. I, I think it, it was just awesome. I had an amazing time 
watching it and it's like I recognize what this is I recognize what it's doing I recognize the dumb things in it but the rest of the film is put together so well and so interestingly that the things that are dumb about the story seem inconsequential compared to the presentation of it as a whole and don't get me wrong that the dumb doesn't bother me like nothing in this movie bothered me the the only thing that boggled my mind a little bit is what makes this stand out of the pack in any way and i feel the the reason i'm trying to reserve judgment is because i know i'm not the person to make that call like this is clearly hitting those beats pitch perfectly and it's doing it in a way that is resonating with a lot of people uh for me it made me have a great time watching it maybe maybe not great a a perfectly good time uh watching it but i feel like there are plenty of movies of a similar vein like i I don't know there there were senses i got especially when this had like the the soft 80s soundtrack with heavy violence happening in front of it where i was getting a vibe of wishing it were more of like a drive type movie like something that was stylized but seriously pushing home a uh, like a crazy crazy storyline that actually resonates and this of course was not trying to be that movie this was a quote genre movie like 100 percent yeah well, I, I, and I, think... I don't know I, I i guess i'm i'm just not the person who can rank this any more than i can tell you why like a 2001 bottle of some wine is better than the two buck chuck at trader joe's <laughs> Well, I mean, when you see, like, all these Blumhouse horror movies that have been coming out recently, like The Purge and Sinister and Mm -hmm. Insidious, I mean, they all blend together, at least in my mind. I mean, I've spoken a lot about this, and I feel like that The Guest is is unlike The Judge, a throwback in a good way, because Mm -hmm. it, it embodies what movies were like, I guess, in the time period it's trying to you know shout out to um, so so i can see that but do you think it does this better than the time period it's shouting out to or do you think it's just it's the fact that we are no longer in that time period that I makes think it the feat just, impressive i think it does it just as well like i mean i think if mm. this had come out in the time period it would still be just as awesome i but i feel like that now since we're seeing so many of the same type of horror movies and like they all have similar looks it's refreshing to see a movie that kind of harkens back uh, or or that's just, you know, different, that sort of changes up the, uh, you know, the genre in a way, not in a, like a completely revolutionary way, but something that's just different, you know? And I think that I will agree that The Guest is a superior film than Your Next, but I mean, I loved Your Next because it did exactly that because it would, it changed what you're used to seeing. And, and unfortunately... You know, like if anyone who saw the trailer for your next, it just looked like every other generic horror movie. Um, but I feel like, you know, that movie came out the same summer as the first Purge and your next was far better than, you know, the far better home invasion movie than that. Because um, just because I think they they take the cliches and they do some creative things with it. Um what? That, I, I, that you're not, you know, expecting in a in a movie like that, I guess. I, I don't even I don't even think I, I I wouldn't even agree with that with your next. Like I I feel I feel like a good comparison of like your next is like a tusk to me. It's like it feels like it started off as a joke. Like they were like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if in like one of those horror movies, one of the people in the cast was actually a survival expert? <laughs> like what, what would all the killers do if that was the case? Like that that's what I feel. I feel that that was like a joke that was started and then a movie was centered around that and they came up with a story to support that and then they did whatever from it. And it's like by the end of that movie, I'm not like it could have been like I don't think that film is even flipping that genre on its head at all. It's just no, it's just but it's doing it in a in a way that's way better than like The Purge. I mean, you got to admit that it's better than The Purge. Yeah, The Purge has problems. The Purge is actually is also like. I mean, this is a stupid ass comment to make, but the purge is trying is trying to achieve something that like from a base level of plot that your next isn't. Your next is literally like an entire family is in one house for a dinner and then shit hits the fan. The purge is like an entire society operates under this crazy rule and there's a man who like 
goes around like th- there's yeah a whole... i know but i mean it all takes place in one house for majority of the movie yeah yeah but it, it it's it it i don't know there, there's something like the people in the purge are expecting and preparing for their house to be assaulted something just goes wrong in this situation there's a there's a family who's you know kind of dysfunctional and there's an asshole brother and there's a bunch of people who aren't family members who are with that that group and then all of a sudden people start shooting crossbows into the house like it's it's a complete it's a more distilled down premise and i don't think that there's anything like that like but you describing what happens in your next is way more entertaining than anything that happens in the purge i mean because in the purge it's almost like you're sitting there like steven was when the judge like knowing what's going to happen next and everyone the characters don't feel like they're anything special. Like, I feel like there's at least some characters to your next, you know? Like, that's what at least sets it apart from the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, my, my point is just that it's... The movies are going for very different things. Like, The Purge isn't a throwback to anything. No, Your, no. your next is a very distilled-down uh, horror plot. Um, and anyways, go, going back to the guest, I, I think that, that, yeah, like like, to kind of you know jump off the back of something i forget which one you were saying it but like it it doesn't just feel like a film from the 80s like you could plop this in a time machine go back in time and play it alongside all those other films and it would feel completely in place but it's also messing with those tropes in a way like like it's so the opening the film opens with you just watching the feet of a guy in camis running Mm-hmm. And then smash cut to uh, like a jack o' lantern on top of a scarecrow, and then like it goes and like plays like crazy music, and there's nothing happening. It's just it plays the horror movie jump scare music to just establish where we are and what time of year it is. And then somebody will like deliver a line of dialogue, and then it'll cut again and do the horror music, but it's not a horror scene. It's not a horror moment. It's just it's it's communicating the vibe of the genre of film that it's in without that one-to-one pairing with the events that are happening on screen, but it constantly puts you. So it's like, it's a film that in presentation delivers you eighties horror film scares, but then in actual plot is delivering very modern suspense tropes. And it's like, it, it, it just feels, it feels fresh and original in a way that I think, your next doesn't feel like I, f- I feel like your next started as a joke and became a horror film and they took that forward and was like okay let's do this again let's but but instead of us sort of starting with a joke and making a film out of it let's take the elements of a bunch of different types of films that we like and put it together in a way that works as a genre exercise but also it's it just combining these action beats from different things and it's, i don't know there's something it's doing something that I can't completely define, but makes it just an incredible ride. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said, this is definitely a superior movie than your next, and it definitely takes the uh, the genre mashup to a whole nother level because it it is it is a throwback, but it, like you said, it is playing with the tropes of it, and that's what I think you know makes it feel new um, as well as old. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I just think that, uh, the idea of combining, like, like, like how he said, like a slasher movie, like Halloween and like something like the Terminator, like with this action, uh, mold is very interesting. And I think that they pull that off like extremely well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I hear everything you guys are saying and I kind of. I wish before entering a theater, someone told me, <laughs> this is what you should expect. Keep an eye out for this. Just like if you're tasting a wine and someone tells you like, oh, by the way, keep your, make sure you notice the hint of blueberry or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to make it way better. That oaky musk. All I can say is I, I went into this on a Friday night. I had a good time with it. I definitely did not leave feeling like, something incredible had happened i thought like that was, that was a fun little action movie and and i can see like in hindsight i can see the tropes that they're getting at and of course like the the 80s vibe was heavy and there was kind of a mashup of horror with thriller but th- that ma- that mashup was still caked behind such an intentionally of course dumb plot and intentionally one-dimensional characters that i I don't know. I I had to be in like a midnight showing 
prepped for it or something like that. I, I can see this having a ton of legs as like a cult cult type movie. Yeah. Kind of in the way that I think Tarantino wanted Grindhouse to be, and then it kind of just didn't happen. Um, I feel like this definitely does a better job than those movies, in my mind, of committing to a very particular genre and following it all the way through. It's just not my genre. <laughs> and without being my genre, I really can't... Uh, I really can't walk away saying it like did something new or fresh or anything. All I can recognize is this is what it tried to do and people enjoyed it. Yeah. I think I think the real problem is that uh you 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 chilled this wine which you know <laughs> trapped in some of the aromatics and then you were actually swallowing it instead of just swishing it around your mouth and enjoying it and then spitting it back out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to inhale this movie. You're supposed to <laughs> hold it in your mouth and blow it back. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I gotta say too, I saw it in like an empty theater. There, there was one other old dude who was there with me, and when we were in the elevator leaving, he was like, "Did you see the guest too?" <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> This is the extent of our conversation. Did so you see it? I didn't good. get it. And then he told me why he didn't want to watch Annabelle. <laughs> you, you should have been like, yeah, youth today. They eat this shit up. Yeah. Yeah. Kids well, today I with their 80s that, uh... music and their <laughs> characters from The Wire showing up as police oh, yeah, chiefs dude. once more. The man in black from Lost. He was pretty awesome. <laughs> what were you going to say, Carson? No, I was just saying it's funny because I haven't seen Annabelle yet, but I have a feeling that the guest is uh, going to be much better. I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like Annabelle falls into those, you know, the recent trend of horror movies where just everything's the same. Um, Although uh, I was at a Krispy Kreme and this couple in front of me really, really like was selling Annabelle to me. Like they were so excited. Like I couldn't. I could not be cynical. Like I was, their their excitedness was infectious. They're like, oh man, it's so scary. They were like, I'm gonna, totally gonna buy it on DVD. They're like, screw <laughs> the Conjuring. Annabelle is so much better. I was like, oh man, that sounds good. Well, the one thing that Annabelle doesn't have going for it is it doesn't have Vera Farmiga in it. So that's true. Mm. Yeah, or Patrick Wilson. Yeah, two of my yeah. favorite things about yeah, movies. Yeah, two equal. Totally. I like them for equal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was gonna make a joke, but I realized that the, the context of that joke only exists in our group iMessage, and <laughs> if I said that on the podcast, it would not need to come off as funny. <laughs> It'd be a lot of explaining to do. Yep, Lucy. Mm. Yes. Which, speaking of Lucy, that that is another movie that demonstrates that I am not the one to grade genre, heavy, dumb genre movies in the appropriate curve. <laughs> I think what we need to do is we need to take Steven, we're going to tie him to a chair, we're going we're gonna, to like do, put the little clamp things that like hold your eyes open from inside of the eye socket. And oh, like in little, Clockwork Orange? Yeah, and then mm. put the little eyedroppers in there. And we're going to make him watch the entire catalog of Luc Besson films. Yes. And then at the end of that, if he's survived. And then he has to watch every Blumhouse movie, and then he'll be like, okay, guys, I get it. Yeah, the no, exactly. Is... I need to, I need to see more of the terrible <laughs> ones. And I know I know that this is not those movies. Like I'm aware that movies like The Guest are not coming out often. Like of course the the modern day horror movie tropes are much more like Yeah. The ring happened and people like it and then they tried to knock off the ring and then they knock off the knockoffs and now right. here we are. And now um, everyone's like right now it's all about the conjuring and scary dolls. Yeah, <laughs> so then they they did the same thing with demonic stuff too. Yeah, and also, paranormal activity. Let, let, let's let's talk about plot real fast too, because like we've just been talking about like the mood and the vibe of this film, and and I think that like you know, even going back and comparing it once again to Year Next, in Year Next there is there's not a whole lot of plot. It's people in a house, people are attacking. Can we figure out why they're attacking? The film lets you know that the characters, you know, anybody who survives may know. <laughs> Obviously, the people who don't survive aren't gonna have no clue what's happening. In this film, there's this, there's just just this unsettling air through the film or unsettling fog if you will uh, throughout the film where it's like 
we know there's something creepy about this guy. Like from the moment he, I mean, the film's called The Guest. <laughs> from the moment he opens the door and he's like, yes, ma'am, creepy voice all the time. I'll talk real <laughs> low. Sure, I'll have a beer. How's it going? Like he has like, there's, there's just something unsettling. And in any sort of horror type film, it's like, why are the killings happening? You know, it's always like, well, you know, this kid was burned alive when he was young or, you know, this person's mom was killed or he killed his mom or there's, there's some sort of like element to basically it usually comes down to just pure evilness in this, like as you discover parts of the plot unraveling, it's almost more frightening why the death and mayhem is happening in this film because it's, it's not as easy as just going like, Oh, well this is an evil monster of the week type person who's doing this killing. It's like, there's like there's no reason why anybody has to die so it's like when stuff starts happening it's almost like that much more frightening it's like when when we were talking about uh you know uh it might have been in the spoiler section of a recent film we reviewed but like basically in general i always talk about like being frightened by scenarios in which i can't predict the actions of people like if there's just a like if i'm in a bank and the bank's getting held up like i understand the constructs of like a guy's here he's got a weapon he wants money you know i i if i just stay out of his way hopefully i can make it make it out of this right like i i understand that scenario any sort of like hostage thing or like that yeah it's frightening for the people involved but like i there's an inherent uh, pattern of behavior that i can see that like this is a thing that can happen. It, when there's somebody who really has no, uh, it, it, I don't know what, the way I'm trying to describe it. But basically, a, a person who is acting with no real conscience behind it or any real motive to intend to hurt people. It's just like, well, this is what's got to happen now because of this scenario. Like, there's something more frightening about that to me, and. Uh, you know, like there's that, that scene in the middle of the movie where where the guest is talking to the boy and he's like, if anybody ever hurts you, just beat the <laughs> shit out of that guy. And if they still hurt you, burn down their house with their entire family in it. And like the kid's like, yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Like that, in that scene, you're just like, like everybody's laughing, but it's this uncomfortable laugh. Like it's funny that a man would just say that to a child. But then it's scary the way the child reacts as if like, oh, that's a thing that an adult should tell me. Uh, I think I'm going to take that to heart. You know, like there's, I don't know, there's something just amazing, like in the ridiculousness, yet the frightening, it's not really realistic, so to speak, but like, I don't know, there's something, there's something just masterful about the ridiculous nature of this film. Right, because I mean, the whole movie is not really taking place in reality. It's in this like heightened, you know, genre universe uh but there is elements where you're like i can see where you know that could be a scary situation like you said you know this person is unhinged essentially Mm -hmm. um yeah and i've got to give it credit in the sense that i think the final scene or at least where the last 20 minutes or so of the movie take place is like a very good setting for this kind of movie i i thought i thought they definitely did that well to turn him into a uh into both a monster and a kind of real thriller person i think yeah. the location of it and the way that it plays out i yeah, i awesome. think they did a good job with that yeah great use of uh dry ice <laughs> or whatever <laughs> causes the fog to rise from the floor fog machine yeah, I was just waiting for the scene at the end where he has to shoot everybody and then realize that the fog was going to go away anyways. <laughs> he does a triple scream. Yeah, Wolverine style. Um, yeah. Uh, I hate it when that happens, man. I, I also love the, the masterful way that, like, uh, the whole, like, Chekhov's gun thing. Like, <laughs> there are so many of them in this film. I don't know. It's spoilery to just say them, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. But there's at least, like... Don't pull a me. <laughs> yeah. At the end where this happens, I did, so there's probably, like, at least five of them. They're, like, perfectly written into the story that... Uh, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, when, when you know it's about to happen, you get, like, all excited waiting for it. And there's mm-hmm. at least one that, like, when it happens, I had forgot about um, these two objects being shown earlier in the film. <laughs> Are you guys still with me? I'm, yep. I'm here, yeah. Okay. No reaction? 
No, I, I, I agree. Just to chuckle. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. Dude, it was like it's like inverse of the judge again. Because <laughs> like you see things in that movie and you're just and like, they just oh, you grown. The movie. <laughs> there are, we already use this. We don't need to come back to well, it. Well, it's at like all. it's like Stephen knowing or anyone knowing that you know, oh, Robert Downey Jr. is going to crash his bike. Oh, Vera Farmiga is going to show up. Like, <laughs> sort of like that. I th- I thought it would have been awesome, and that like I knew this wasn't going to happen. But in in the judge, he, he like so he's he's pedaling his bike with no arms, riding with his eyes closed. It would have been awesome if his dad just hit him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the proof he needs to get his dad off the hook. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's like, look, he even hit me. Didn't you just spend the last hour arguing that he hates you? Yeah. Yes, yeah, true, he, but... Then he um, has to get in his I Iron Man suit to walk around. That, I mean, he hit me and I didn't die, so maybe he meant to hit this other guy, <laughs> but he didn't mean to kill him. It's accidental uh, vehicular manslaughter. The other really on-the-nose, like, visual metaphor that was, like, really groan-worthy was when they get out of the car and start walking, like, the opposite direction. <laughs> And there's that wide shot of them, like, oh, there's distance between them. <laughs> Stupid. Not anything like that in the guest, though. Nope. I, I thought I thought the real point of that scene was not to communicate the metaphor of distance, but was just for the joke where he goes, like, the penitentiary is this way. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Apparently that was an improvised line by Robert Downey Jr. No, no, like, no kidding. Got to get this script. Got to punch up this script. <laughs> Uh, what about the metaphor of him like missing the throwing away the paper towel in the trash can? <laughs> <laughs> <of> the movie? <laughs> I'm a changed man now. I can't swoosh this. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Bernard the Elf has killed my game. Okay, <laughs> can't throw away any paper towels in the bathroom. Oh, <sighs> good times. Yeah. So are we done with the are we done with the guest? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Well, apparently, we're not done with the judge, but. No, we're never done. <laughs> oh, we're done. This line from the movie. That's right. Trying to do my best Downey impersonation, not not really working. Uh, he that had. To, I wish there would have been a scene where Robert Duvall got up and started walking away, and he's like, "You're done when I'm finished with my cross." And then he like makes him go back, and he's like, "You will address him as Sir or Your Honor. I'm sure I've earned it." <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right, let's get to a verdict for. The you know, guest. when you when you smell napalm too much in the morning, that's what happens. You run over people. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> anyways, yeah. So, Carson, if you were gonna put this on a scale of recommendiness, you had a must see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must avoid. Where would you shoot this? I mean, place it. I don't think uh, it's a surprise that I would give it a must-see wholeheartedly. Steven. I abstain from voting for ethical reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Objection. All right. Well, if you're going to go ahead and abstain, there's going to be nothing more I can do but also give this a must-see. Yeah, he can't He can't go uh, recommend to, to balance this out or anything. Yeah. Nope. I, I'm not balancing it out. <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> I do not. He's believe... not going to give us justice, okay? With the scales, no. You don't deserve justice. <laughs> great movie or greatest movie? <laughs> if 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 I were going in blind and if I did not know the way it resonated with people, this would have teetered between caveat and rental. But I know that that's not fair, so I'm not I'm not doing it. If you were going in blind, would you then exit and then put your review on a scale? And if I were going in blind, I guess. It would have all been soundtrack, and then <laughs> that's true. It would it would have been pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I I, I kind of wish you could have seen this film for the first time in not a theater with only one old guy in it. Because mm-hmm. like I said, I had like six to ten people, or whatever. A hundred my... old guys all around. <laughs> me. All they, confused. They sigh in a wave. It's just all uh... Uh, the youth. <laughs> I tried to do like a Doppler effect into my mic, but it's like a mono channel mic, so it's probably not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> anyways yeah must see <laughs> i think we're done with this review <laughs> so cars and the people want to find you where can they do that uh go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com steven twitter.com slash s david miller or s david miller.com 
People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us on Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site or you can leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW at 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the 80s soundtrack that uh, you're listening to right now. So hopefully you are enjoying that. Yes. Also, uh, apologies to Vincent D'Onofrio t-shirts will be available on Big Cartel, <laughs> along with all of our other merchandise. They're only so, available uh, on triple X and quadruple X sizes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my parody song, You're the Guest Around Nobody's Gonna Ever Bring You Down, is going to be uh, available on Spotify. Yeah, nice. You can. Uh, it's a. We're doing a uh, bargain uh, sale, Halloween sale. Get uh, get Team Apes or Team Hannah, your choice when you buy any. Uh, apologies, to Vincent D'Onofrio shirt. Also, do you guys remember that, uh, that 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 moment where the guest goes into the principal's office to talk about the thing that happened with the son, and when he exits after being all super badass to the principal. Like, as he exits the door, like, right on the back wall, just through the door, is, like, the Jack Skellington guy. It's, like, a metaphor for, like, him being the harbinger of death. Ah. <laughs> he is the angel of death. All right. <laughs> simply the guest. <laughs> All right. So I guess we'll see later i guess we'll see you next week uh when we start killing nazis again yeah i, I think uh much like the lives of half the cast members in uh the film the guest this podcast sort of fizzled out <laughs> <laughs> later everybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs>